Hi, friends. Welcome to the Seek Holy Living podcast with Christus Faboda. I am a wife to my wonderful husband, mom to my five precious children, and a friend to some amazing moms that I can't wait to introduce to you. Mothering is not a journey meant to be traveled alone. Join me every Monday for a new podcast where you will find hope, joy, and purpose. Mark 12, 30 through 31 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. This is the most important thing that we want for our children is all about relationships, their relationship with the Lord and their relationships with others. And this begins first at home. And today I'm excited to talk with you really in depth about relationships that happen through our reading aloud with our children. I was so inspired as I got to write this as a talk to give to a mom's group locally out here and so enjoyed it that I thought, man, I really want to bring this to you all as an episode for you. So I've made it a two-parter. And if you go back and listen to last week's, it's really an overview of what reading aloud looks like. How do you do reading aloud? What are some important elements to be considering? How can it even fit into a busy family schedule? Like, Do you even have time for reading aloud? And are your kids too old for it? Um, You need to go back and listen to that one if you didn't yet. Because this one's really going to get into how the reading aloud really serves the hearts of your family. You know, we've all had those days, at least I have, so I assume you have too, where we end the day and just hit the bed like, man, it was a rough one. Did we like even accomplish anything today? I feel like we had this thing to do and that thing to do or those days where it seems like it should not have been so difficult and everything seemed hard. My mom and I have kind of a little saying that we say nothing can be easy today. And it's those days where you hit the end of the day and think, man, could nothing have just gone as it was supposed to? And you can look back on the day and think that you accomplished nothing because sometimes the day seems like it's more of a mess at the end of the day than it was when you started. Maybe behaviors are worse than they were when you started the day. Maybe relationships are more strained than they were when you started the day. But at the end of those days, if you can look back and know, I read to my children and it mattered. It's almost like a wild card you get to pull out or like a get out of jail free card uh, to say, no, this day mattered because I made a choice that brought them into relationship with me and into relationship with the Lord. So I want us to talk about that today. What are ways that reading aloud has this unseen blessing of relationship with you and your children and relationship between your children and the Lord? Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9 is one of my favorite passages to go back to when it comes to parenting. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And if you listen to last week's episode, you'll remember back that this is when reading aloud happens. When Talk about them when you're sitting at home. 
during those morning times, those breakfast time read alouds, when you walk along the road, well, we drive now. So maybe those are your audiobook times if your family's in a season that that works for you. When you lie down, we talked about evening read alouds, maybe with dad, an extra gift that those evening time read alouds could be. Those are your when you lie down times and when you get up. So when you are reading aloud with your children, I believe you are living out Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. So when the evening comes and those feelings of heaviness, of doubt or self-condemnation or guilt about your day or just disappointment, Sometimes it's nothing of deep guilt. Sometimes it's just straight up disappointing. My day did not go as planned. I had a lot of things we were going to do today and we did almost none of them. But you can still say, but you know what we did do? We read God's word. We grew in relationship with each other. We grew in relationship with the Lord and that matters. So let's read aloud almost even in a way of saying, I am doing the most important And sometimes we have to strip down just to that. Maybe we have to tear away some of the extra stuff, some of the extra things we've joined or the places we're going to or the things that we're being a part of to give us time to really ensure that we're doing the most important at home with our children. So let's talk first about the relationship between you and your children. I think all of us want to have slow memories with our children. Times of stillness, of physical closeness, being together. And there is nothing about the way that our world is running right now that would encourage us towards stillness and slowness and closeness. That the world today would say, well, sign up for this or join this. Or if you don't get your kids signed up for this thing, then you're missing out on this great opportunity. And how are they ever going to grow into the adult they need to be if they haven't been a part of all of these different programs and been at all of these places? And keep in mind, you're hearing this from someone who does sign their kids up for things. Like we do go to things. We are a part of things. But we have to intentionally plan the time. It's almost like There's a carved out sacredness to this time of reading aloud so that we can be forming these slow memories together because they don't happen on their own and the world is not going to give you those slow memories. You have to create those memories for your children. This is their childhood and they only get one and you are the one who's creating it for them. Reading aloud with our children also allows us to go on adventures together. Uh, One year for our social studies with my children in our literature unit, we did a whole year of geography through literature. So we read books that took us to different places in the world that introduced us to children who are from different places in the world. And it really felt like we were exploring these different places all around the world As we were reading these and they were so fun and we didn't go anywhere. We were, I mean, we went places, don't get me wrong. We didn't stay home all day, (laughs) but we were in our family room on the couch or at the table or sitting on the floor as we read these stories about people all around the world. 
And it was so fun. So we adventure. Um, I remember one time we were reading this book called The Tale of Jeremy Vole, and it's in the Riverbank series. And I love these books. There are three of them in the series, and they are so very well written. I should warn you, if you listen to my first episode on this about reading aloud, I talked about using creative voices for characters. And this happened as I was reading The Tale of Jeremy Vole because you know, Jeremy is very uh, unsure of himself. And so he mostly talks like this when he's talking and he gets kind of nervous. So that's the kind of character Jeremy is, but there's a lot of characters. So then there's the great blue heron who has a high calling on Jeremy's life and calls him to great things. And there's so much spiritual richness and um, like allegorical writing in this book. You will love it. Anyhow, my warning is there's a lot of characters. So if you're using creative voices, just prepare yourself to have to be like super alert when you're reading because I think there's like 17 characters or something ridiculous. But the adventure we got to have. Okay, so the tale of Jeremy Vole takes place on a riverbank. And the kids and I had gone on a field trip to this beautiful like arboretum garden place. And they had a little like lakeside riverbank type feeling space. It wasn't actually a river because it would have been like a pond, you know, but it felt similar because there were reeds and there's the grass leading up to it and everything. And we're just enjoying our time there together, not doing anything academic. We're just being together at this beautiful place. And we were sitting by this lovely little body of water. And would you believe a great blue heron came flying in and stood there in the water before us? And the gasp that we all, like I joined in with them, we all, oh, and my kids knew it's a great blue heron. Because of course, as we're reading this book, we're studying about each of these animals and at least looking them up, maybe coloring a picture of them so that we can really understand a little bit more about the riverbank and the environment and what we're reading about. But the life that my kids had and the adventure we got to experience together with this great blue heron because of the foundation of the book, that the book took us on a different adventure and it made the rest of our world come to life in a completely different way. And um, we had the same thing happen when we were reading a book called Pagu that was in one of our beautiful feet studies. There's a curriculum called Beautiful Feet that's a literature-based um, history and literature curriculum. And we one of the books was this book, Pagu, that's about the tide pools. And it's this little hermit crab and the story of the hermit crab's life and growing and developing. But in the process of following the story of this hermit crab, you learn all about the life in the tide pools. And one of the things that happens is the seagulls, we learned as we read the book, when they catch a shelled creature, that they fly up high and then they release it on the rocks so that it breaks the shell open and then they can eat the creature inside of it. So when the kids and I went to a tide pool and we watched the seagulls swooping down and then going up high, they were so excited to see it. It was like, look what's happening. It's doing the thing with the shells. And it was all because of the adventure that we had gone on together through this book. So were they learning facts? Absolutely. But what happened that mattered was the relationship between them and me and the adventure that this book laid as a foundation for us to be able to have when we went to places like the Arboretum or the Huntington Library or the Tide Pools, wherever it was. Um, but it was so much richer 
because of the read aloud we had already done. The character lessons that happen during read alouds always, um, I shouldn't say catch me by surprise, but they do. I should expect them now because we pick good books and we read them together regularly, but they still surprise me because it happens every time. Um, One of the ones just recently, we're reading Little House in the Big Woods, and we just recently got to the chapter where Laura and Ma go outside and it's nighttime and pause away. And when they get there, um, they're, they think they're going to milk the cow out in the like pinned in area in the barn and they get out there and it's dark and it's not until they get right up close. And Ma actually even reaches through the gate to hit what she thinks is the cow to scoot the cow along away from the gate and realizes it's the bear. And Ma says, Laura, you need to listen to me. I need you to go inside right now. And Laura immediately goes inside, slowly heads towards the front door and Ma follows and then scoops her up and swoops her away into the house. So that way they're safe from this bear. And when I was reading this with my kids, it was so interesting because they're all captivated by this. But as well, and actually I wasn't even reading it. It was an audible, but the audible reader is so good as we're listening to this and everyone's captivated by this story. It left such an open door for a conversation about first time obedience. And we didn't actually have it at the moment that we finished it. We will have it at a time that we probably need to talk about first time obedience. And then I'll reference back to the book because I don't like every book that has a character lesson turning into a monologue from mom. They hear my voice so much. It's kind of nice for them to get to enjoy another author, whether it be reading the Bible or reading Laura Ingalls Wilder or whoever it is. But to hear a different voice, even if it's my voice reading it, but the words being from someone else, that I find it to be most effective if then when the time comes that there's a struggle with first-time obedience, to then go back and say, you know, I was thinking, (laughs) that's how my mom used to start it, you know. I was thinking about when we were reading the story about Laura and that bear, what do you think would have happened if Laura didn't obey the first time? And then they can think through that and come to that conclusion. She could have been eaten. She could have. And she had been trained to obey the first time so many times by her ma and pa. So that's why she knew. So when it was most important, she did obey the first time. But again, it's the foundation of good books that teach good character concepts and quality and and good quality books do that. They'll introduce good character lessons for you to have with your children. Um, One time we did a bunch of Aesop's fables together and every week we would read a new fable. Maybe even more often than that. It was when Lincoln was young. And I should do this again. It was fun. We would read a fable and then read the moral. And we really enjoyed it. And it even was a good way when I had a hesitant reader who was slower to reading that I could say, okay, you're going to read this one line and then I'm going to read the rest of it. Or I'm going to read the whole thing and you're going to read the moral. And it was a way that they could participate in reading without it being stressful because it wasn't a formal reading lesson. It was just a fable. So it made it, it kind of took the stress of the reading out of it because it was a fun story. But the fables are great, excellent foundation of an easy way to read aloud to your children and give them a foundation that's a moral. 
And at one point, I even quit reading the morals and I would ask them, okay, what do you think the moral of the story is? And let them reason on their own. You know, each person comes up with their own moral and then, and then discuss that with each other after we, and then, and then read the real moral. So that's a really fun way too. Um, but it's, again, it's relational and it's funny and fun. It doesn't have to be all serious. Sometimes it's serious, but sometimes it's lighthearted. You know, another relationship that happens in reading aloud is the relationship with your children and each other. And this is something I've absolutely seen in our own family that I felt it growing up with my own family and wanted it so deeply for my children to have developed this culture of togetherness that we all have inside jokes and that we know what each other are talking about and that it's something that's special just with us. Um, I watched it happen in my home when I was growing up as a child, but then also when I left, because then I kind of had a bird's eye view because it was still my family, but I wasn't in all of the things. So I was watching them and it was kind of painful actually, because my siblings, would you believe it, continued on with life, even without me here. I thought I'm sure as the oldest, I thought I was like the center of the show and made it all happen. Maybe they liked it a little bit when I was not the center of the show anymore. And, um, they got to make it happen on their own. I don't know. But regardless, they began continued reading books together as a family, and they had these jokes and these relationships that I'd see, for instance, naming a pet. I remember they named one of the pets Puddle Glum, and I thought it was just a funny name for a pet. Oh, cute. You know, it wasn't until months later I realized it was named after a character of a book that they had read together and decided to name a pet. So here I'm like so out of the circle that they are naming pets out of characters that I'm not even a part of the books anymore. I had such bad FOMO knowing that they were all growing together without me there. But I realize now what a gift that is, that life continued on without me and that I get to do that with my children. And um, I want that for them. So now I'm seeing these inside jokes form with my family too. And I want to encourage you, you don't have to create these magical moments of relationships and closeness and memories by doing something wonderful on your own part as the mom of the creator of all of this. It will just happen because you're presenting them with excellent literature and naturally, these relationships are just going to form. So one way that I have seen this form is through a book that we love called Rocks of Oxen. And when we play, when we read the book Rocks of Oxen, it always results in the next week at some point, my kids are outside pretending and they are pretending this whole world of Rocks of Oxen, that the world that's created in this book is so rich and so alive that my kids come alive in their play with it. And they've even had times, I remember one time them asking me to read it to some of their friends so that they could all play Rocks of Oxen together because they had to have the commonality of the book to be able to play the game. So just reading good books is going to bring them in a close relationship of togetherness with each other as well. And most importantly, the relationship between our children and the Lord that happens when we read aloud, it is undeniable. When we prioritize and carve out the time 
to lead our children to the Lord through the books that we're choosing to read to them, those relationships between each of them and the Lord will form in such a personal way, even as we're reading the same book, because the word of God is living and active, right? So it's going to be alive for each of them in different ways, depending on where they are in their lives. So the first thing is to read the Bible with your children. Um, One of my favorite children's Bibles that I love is called the Children or the Child's Story Bible. And it's by Catherine Voss, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E Voss. And the Children's Story Bible is very well written. And it actually goes through the Bible from the beginning all the way to the end. It's taking us a very long time because it's very rich. It's not light because it's for a child. I kind of almost don't even like that it's called a child's story Bible because I hear that and think light and easy, and it is not light and easy. It is very, very rich and very meaty. I read it and I am convicted. And so I would really encourage you to to read that Bible with your children. And I read it with all of mine from ages little tiny up through 13, and it's applicable for everyone and good. It's very well written. Um, And when you're reading, I would challenge you to control your own commentary, that it's easy as the moms when we are the voice and all the things, again, to let our voice be the one to say all the words. Sometimes it's better just to read it and let it be read and finish. And instead of you giving the lesson at the end of it, say, what stood out to you today? See what they said. What what were you surprised by in today's reading? And don't give any of your own thoughts. Let the Holy Spirit lead sometimes. It does not always need to have your voice included. And then another one I love is the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones. And it is so beautifully written. It is really almost poetic how lovely that book is written. And the artwork is spectacular. It is such a high-quality storybook Bible for children. And with that one, I would challenge you to really... Ah, get a good grasp on your emotions as you're reading. Not to say we don't be real with our children. I am real with my children. There are certainly times that the Lord will stir up in me and I will well up with tears and they will see it and they will know, oh, this is really touching mom. But if I allowed myself to get emotional every time something touched me in the Jesus Storybook Bible, it would be like every other day. So I have regularly, when I pray, I pray before we read our Bible and I pray, Lord, I pray that you open our hearts to what it is you have to teach us. And God is so faithful. He's going to reach you, mom, as he is reaching your children. Because again, his word is not just for them. It's for you. It's alive and active. And he is going to speak to your heart. But do not let your emotions be so overflowing all of the time that it gets in between the richness of what God has to teach your children and and them because of our emotions distracting from it. Another way that my children's relationship with the Lord has grown is as we're studying creation, really any science study, as long as you're guarding what you're reading, so you're not just picking up any book from the library, because then we're going to be talking about, you know, the evolution of this or the big bang of that or whatever it is, you're going to have to be guarding against what they're taking in. If you are being selective of what science study they are getting, you are bringing them to the Lord. And we do this every morning with a simple study through the Louis Giglio books, um, Indescribable and How Great Is Our God. 
both of those books are exceptional and will absolutely lead your children to the Lord through the study of creation. And I cannot recommend them enough. I would also encourage you to look into doing a nature study with your children, because when you're in nature and you're actually studying nature and spending time looking at different aspects of what was created, ultimately, you're studying the work of the creator, right? Because God is the ultimate creator. So when you're in creation and you're studying creation, then you're studying the work of our creator and that's drawing them closer to the Lord. And the way this ties in with reading aloud, because that's our topic, let's say you're in nature and you go on an apple picking trip with your children and you know, we're going to read some books about picking apples or about an apple farm or an apple farmer or something like that beforehand. Then you go out into nature, you're picking the apples And you're able to say, wow, isn't this so amazing what God made? Look at the detail. God made so many different types of apples. Look at how they grow on the trees. Look at the what animals would live around these apple trees. How would some of them try to eat the apples? What does the farmer have to do to try to protect them from being eaten by the predators? All of those things. So spending time in nature oftentimes parallels, I find, with the read-alouds that we do and leads our children to the Lord. The last thing is you may not realize this, but you are actually a theologian with your children. So you may think I am not a theologian, Krista, maybe you are a theologian. No, no. I would argue that you, mom, also are a theologian, whether you notice it or not, because you are giving your children a foundation of studying who God is and knowing who he is at an early age. And there's that passage in, I believe it's Second Timothy, maybe it's first, where it says, from infancy, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, that even from an early age, you are speaking truths into your children that are making them wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, so as you are studying with them, you are introducing them to who God is, and that is the study of theology. So some books I would recommend for you with that. Uh, there's the book, Theology. It's two words, T-H-E-ology, and it goes through who is God, who is man, what is sin, what is creation, who is Satan, who is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's a very rich book, but very chewable for children, and you will really enjoy it. It's beautiful as well. So if you think, wait, we've never studied any theology This is a wonderful place to start with your children. You will really, really enjoy this with them as a very basic foundation to studying who God is. Lastly, as I wrap things up, I want to encourage you that all books are not created equal. Um, I've heard it said, you know, oh, as long as they're reading, they're reading. It's better than nothing. But I would challenge that our children only have so many hours to read. So we want to choose the best for them. Now, Philippians 4.8 tells us whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And we want that for our children. We want to put them to give them the very best because as we are sharing books with them and choosing the books to put before them, because that is our choice as their parents, we are training their palates for what to love. And we want to give them a palette that loves excellence, not just 
twaddle or something mindless or empty. And not that that means it's not fun. It's not all serious. I've talked about a lot of fun books, but they're life-giving fun books um, instead of things that are just empty or books that you finish and think, okay, that was fine. Moving along, put it back on the shelf. If it's just fine, don't put it back on the shelf. Put it away. Give it to the thrift store. Throw it away if it's not a good book and move along and pick things that are high quality for your children. And if you want to develop that philosophy more for yourself, I would encourage you to read the book for the children's sake for you or listen to it. The um, audio is excellent. It's by Susan Schaefer McCauley. And for the children's sake, will really help develop your understanding more of how to choose excellence in what you're putting before your children. We also really need to guard them from agendas in books. Um, you know, I hear people talk about how excited they are about the Scholastic Book Fair is coming. Scholastic is not a safe place to guarantee that your children are not being fed lies. Uh, I was blown away at the number of transgender books that were presented by Scholastic when I last looked for a different talk that I was giving about um, creating a healthy like sexual family culture. And Scholastic does not is not an agenda-free, just a good book place for your children to get books from. So please be guarded if there is a book fair that your children get invited to and get to be part of. Um, even, even from an early age, there's board books. I remember there was a board book that was so cute. Um, and as I looked at it closely, I realized, oh my goodness, there are men like with their arms around each other in this cute board book. This is not what I want. And it's so subtle. So please be guarded about the books you put in front of your children. If you are going to go to the library, let's go wisely. Um, let's use the library as a wise mom, an intentional mom. So how do we filter what to bring home to guard from lies? Um, there are sexually explicit books that you want to guard from. There are books with lies, just straight up not true. Um, the science and history is not from a biblical worldview. I would say if the book is published before about 1960, you're probably good that it probably is going to be mostly true about what they're getting from their history. But even then, some of the science might not be, be grounded. And from the library also, there's books that are just not good that we would never, you know, talk about things like, I wouldn't let my children walk around and talk about farts all day long. We don't do that. That's ugly. That's not kind. It's not whatever is true or noble or right or pure or any of that. We don't live like that. So why would I let them bring books home that are full of these kinds of words or just thoughts that I, I want better for them than that in the limited time that they have to read? So with that, I think the best way to protect yourselves is one, go with book lists. Um, and let me tell you where you can get some good book lists from. Go with authors who you know you've loved that you can trust their content. Um, and you can pre-order your books so you're not just having to wander the shelves and hope that they're not bringing home things that are not good, that you have to preview everything. Because I know for me, I have so many children, I can't preview that many books that then they're going to be reading. I can't do it well, at least. So um, I am going to make a list of book list books for you. So books that I would recommend for you um, to read as moms, as resources for you to be filling your child's heart with truth of excellent literature that will draw them into relationship with you 
into relationship with others and into relationships with the Lord. And I will either put this book list on my Instagram or I will put it on my website and we'll be sharing with you in the show notes exactly where you can get that. I'll see where it where it happens to land once I get this published. So I hope this was an encouragement to you today and that you will be able to intentionally carve out the time to enjoy reading aloud with your children. And I will point you back to a couple of episodes that could be good resources for you. The episode the week prior to this is about foundations of reading aloud to your children. Check that one out if you didn't. Episode 55 was with Cindy Rollins about family morning time. And that one would definitely be an encouragement that would tag along with this well. And lastly, episode 99 with Jennifer Pepito was about the voices in your head and how reading aloud also serves you as the mom. So good to be with you this week. I'll look forward to being with you again next week. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our weekly conversations. And check out our show notes below where I have links to the resources mentioned on the podcast. I release a new podcast every Monday and additional content at seekholyliving.com, including a video of this conversation and a deeper dive into all things mom. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Seek Holy Living for more fun and conversation. If this was an encouragement to you, please share it with your friends.